This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, July 17th, and Brendan and I are sitting down to record this pretty much just minutes after the Cubs have made their final selection of the evening in the 2022 MLB draft. They had uh, two selections tonight. The draft continues uh, going into this week, but we will talk about those first two picks. We will also take a look at some of the minor league news and notes. We had PCA in the MLB Futures game this weekend as part of the All-Star Game festivities. And of course, we do find ourselves at the end of the first half, not you know the literal 81-game first half, but we are at the All-Star break. So we will touch on the major league Cubs, which Brendan, with everything going on, uh, PCA in the in the in the futures game, as I mentioned, uh, a couple of all stars headed to Los Angeles, and Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ, mm-hmm. the draft, yep. uh, everything going on in the minor league system. I, I don't know how excited people are to hear about the major league baseball team, but yeah. but Brendan, yeah. they okay. did avoid a ten game losing streak by beating the Mets on Sunday. Unreal to take one game in that four-game series. So thank you to them for avoiding that. Things are looking up, Corey. One-game winning streak going into the All-Star break. You come back, and you just win, like, every game for the next three weeks, and you never know what can happen. Well, I know what's going to happen, that easy? and it's not that, but... Uh, plenty that's right around the corner too two more weeks yeah so. plenty to talk about here uh as we set you up for uh a few days without cubs baseball obviously in happen wilson Contreras will will show up uh in the all-star game i would imagine uh both of them at some point wilson of course is starting but would think you mm-hmm. know get in there at some point so we will have that to look forward to uh if the home run derby is your jam you have that to look forward to but no the the, the major league baseball team is out of our lives for a it few is. days, Brendan, and I'm I'm not exactly upset about that. You know, I think it's good for us, Corey. It's been it's been difficult talking about this major league team yes. for three months. I think everyone involved, not just you and me, but just like the other CHGO guys. Like I've been worrying about Cody and Luke and their ice cream intake. I'm worried about the listeners. You know, some of the comments look pretty dramatic. So I think we all need to take a nice three four day break, take a deep breath, and just regroup and, and recalibrate. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, not to immediately go there, but it's, it, you know. You're going there, Yeah, right? I am. It's going to be, yeah, you know, know, we have a few. Not to immediately go there, but I'm going to go right <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> we, we have a few days off uh, because we Until, are headed for yeah. another, yeah. Here we another, go. Yeah. trying end of the month, beginning of August uh, for us Cubs fans as the trade deadline mm-hmm. looms. So enjoy these few days where you can kind of relax. Although I say enjoy the few days where you can relax and not think about that. But if you remember last year when Chris Bryant was playing in the All-Star game, Joe Buck was asking him about being traded. So we didn't even get uh. a we didn't even get a respite while he was playing in the in the freaking all-star game so i I, we're just gonna have to deal with this there is no just don't mic up wilson don't let him talk because i don't want to hear anything about the trades yes i know right please just focus on him playing with his brother how wonderful that is and we'll leave it there it's so simple leave it right there exactly yes so the mets do take three games out of four this weekend uh and we will talk a little bit about that Uh, but i do want to start with the mlb draft 
uh, and get into those picks to, to start your, your Monday morning. Uh, and so you have that information. I do also want to make sure that I note that Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation, uh, he has talked with Brendan and I many times. He's been in the CHGO studios uh, before. He will be on with Luke, Cody, and Ryan on Monday afternoon. So be sure to tune in to that. Uh, as with any prospect talk or, or amateur baseball talk here like the draft, we would defer you to the experts in such a category of which Brian is one. So yes. uh, don't want to miss that. And, you know, by that time he'll have, I know he said on, on Twitter tonight that he was beginning to watch uh, some tape of the Cubs first round pick. So I think by tomorrow afternoon, he'll have a, a, a much clearer picture yeah. of, of the pick. Uh, but let's jump right into this, Brendan. So the Cubs make two choices, and I actually want to read them in in succession because I think it's important to consider them in tandem, right? The way that the MLB draft works and the way the slot money works, uh, how much you you pay guys, how much your, your, you know, your entire draft pool is, it, it all works together, right? And I think what the Cubs did in these first two picks is a very good example of that. And without that context, maybe it doesn't make as much sense to some. Uh, But their first pick at seventh overall, the Cubs select right-handed pitcher Cade Horton out of Oklahoma. And then in the second round, 47th overall, that comes after a couple of those compensation pick rounds, the Cubs select high school lefty Jackson Ferris. So two pitchers to start these uh, first two rounds for the Cubs. Brendan, and why I bring up the slot money is that Horton was not necessarily on everybody's radar that early, uh, but the Cubs, we don't, we don't, we're not sure of this yet, but the Cubs likely are able to go a little under the slot right. value for that pick for Cade Horton, which allows them to go a little over on Jackson Ferris, which you need to do to get a high school pitcher to agree to leave high school and forego you know a future college uh choice or things like that that's so that's likely why they did this yeah it makes it makes sense especially when you consider where jackson ferris was in the prospect ranking some had him as the best high school pitcher overall in the top 250 best high choices. Lefty for sure, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you look at like the top 250 prospects. He was ranked number 19th. So it does kind of line up where you look at the bulk sum of the first two rounds. They got one of the best stuff guys in Horton, and they get one of the best stuff guys at the high school position, likely above slot where you kind of save some money with Horton, still get that very high ceiling guy, accept some of their risk with Horton. But by doing so, you add another guy into your system in Ferris with exceptional stuff, Corey. They're comparing him to Clayton Kershaw because of that kind of quirky delivery, kind of has that uh, offset over the top uh, pitching delivery. So you can kind of see that. But from all metrics, it appears as if the Cubs just added two guys with exceptional high stuff. So I, without knowing and seeing these guys in great detail, as you said there, Corey, Brian's going to be on the show on Monday. He'll go into it. But just from reading on Twitter, seeing some of the opinions, seeing some past videos, like 
it looks good to me. I'm not an expert with these guys, but it yeah. does look good. Yeah, I mean, look, here, here's here's the thing with, with the draft. I think, and you can consume, as as our guy Luke Stuckmeyer always says, you can cub how you want to cub. You can be a fan how you want to be a fan. You can consume events like this uh, however you like. You can read whatever coverage you like, form your own opinions, however you want to do it. But the I one mean, read thing our coverage, yeah. that I would, would caution is to remember that there is a lot of amateur baseball in this country, be it at the high school level or the college level. And I would defer to people who watch as much of these players as they possibly can, right? And that's not necessarily an appeal to authority suggesting that Dan Kantrovitz and Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins can't be wrong because this is their job. Of course they can be wrong, right? The Cubs have gotten plenty of draft picks wrong before. Most, most teams get most draft picks wrong, right? <laughs> but my my point, though, is that a lot of people have very strong opinions about this stuff. And I would venture to guess that a lot of those people that have those strong opinions have probably never seen Cade Horton pitch before tonight. I'd bet yeah. on it. Maybe they saw him once in the College World Series. Doesn't mean that they're right or wrong, but I I never get, Brendan, on a night like this, a lot of people have just such strong, like, visceral opinions. It's this is weird, terrible. Right? This is great. Fire Jed Hoyer. It's like, I know. I, I don't believe that you've even seen this guy pitch, some of you. Right. You know? And, right. I, like, we don't have to name names, but, like, you see it. Like, there's some media personalities in Chicago that clearly typed in his name, saw his ERA, and were like, oh, my mind is made up, right? And his right. ERA in college wasn't great, but that doesn't tell the whole story. There's a lot of context no. that you're missing if that's all you're looking at right? So my, my overall point is defer to experts, right? Brian Smith is going to be on on Monday with our guys. He's watching a lot of tape, but there are people who have been watching Cade Horton for years, probably. They've seen every pitch he's thrown. You know, there's area scouts that the Cubs send to these games and to these areas that are tirelessly pouring over mm-hmm. what these pitchers are doing every pitch, every game, every you know, some of them go to practices and stuff and, and scrimmages at the college level. Just uh, that's all I'm saying. You can you can absorb whatever information you want, but I think th- this night is a little weird for me, Brendan, because you you and I always say we don't always like to offer up fake trade proposals because we're not GMs. We're not taking those phone calls. We don't know what's realistic or what isn't realistic. And so tonight is always weird for me uh, each year, the MLB draft, because there's just so many strong opinions, and I just don't believe <laughs> that those are informed opinions. So it's a little confusing to me. It is. And the, some of the insight you do see, like uh, like Brian tweeted this out, where we have a little bit of insight into Horton, and that provides an idea of what the Cubs were thinking. Horton has really good stuff. And this is just in a few snapshots. We don't have the full sample here. But just from the College World Series alone, there were a few uh, images showing how fast he was throwing, what his spin rate was, what his vertical break was, horizontal break, like all the stack cast measures that are typically consumed by all, you know a lot of data heavy people. And they, they match up really well. Like there was there were a few pitches where he had a four seam induced vertical break 
if it were to be compared to a major leaguer, it would be in the 99th percentile, Corey. So you can kind of see just the extreme, like the possibilities with Horton. At the same time, you know, he didn't really pitch that much due to Tommy John surgery. In 2021, uh, yeah. Missed the 2021, 2021 season. He did have 57 innings in 2022, and he, he appeared good. And so the Cubs thinking is, I, I imagine they're thinking, is we'll accept the risk in him not accumulating volume of innings but the stuff is just absurd mm-hmm. and apparently i'm sure brian will go into this but apparently he developed a new slider some of the data on that also looks good really good horizontal break great vertical approach on that pitch he does kind of have a very over-the-top release point and we've heard from moscow's from from Hadevi. ryan talked to moscow's about this Pitchers with over-the-top release points, you think of Kyle Hendricks, you think of Clayton Kershaw, they're able to throw these like drops, you know, these 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 sweeping sliders. And so it's possible, given the Cubs' emphasis and given some of the uh, success they've had with, with those types of pitchers recently, that this is someone they explicitly targeted, they took advantage of, presumably getting him under slot, and being able to do so while getting more talent in the second round. So I think that's the process. Uh, There's other details that we're probably missing, but from my understanding, that seems to be what's going on. And without, you know, being an expert in this, I understand it. And that because, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think, you know, we'll see how it pans out, but I can get behind the process. And I think the Cubs pitching infrastructure should be given some leeway at this point. Yeah, so with Horton, a few things to note. Uh, One, while he was at Oklahoma, did play on the position side a little bit. So I think part of the Cubs thinking is that, you know, you're going to have him focus strictly on pitching, which should help his development and things there. Uh, Some notes, and when I talked about just looking up his ERA and missing some of the context, uh, he developed a slider late in the in the 2022 season, and in five postseason starts, beginning with the Big 12 championship game win over Texas, he went 3-0 and with a 2.61 ERA with 49 strikeouts and just six walks in 31 innings. Uh, he did not allow more than two runs or two walks in any of those outings. In the College World Series starts this year against Notre Dame and Ole Miss, he pitched 13 and a thirds innings, striking out 24 batters allowing four runs on nine hits and just one walk. So he was lights out in the postseason and the College World Series, which is a very big stage against very good programs and and good talent. Um, I think the key, you know, Firstly, I get that. I think the concern a lot of people had was that at the time the Cubs picked at seven, there was a lot of projectable um, college bats available that I think, you know, feel safer, maybe a little more projectable, um, and, and just, you know, maybe with a lot less risk, right? at the number seven slot, which maybe people wanted them to do. Again, we read those two picks in tandem because I think you, you take the risk there because you're going to spend a little more in that second round to get the high upside guy coming from high school pitching left-handed. Um, but I think this, to me, this is a pick, Brendan, that is all about, you have to remember that a lot of this is, is going to be viewed from what does the organization think they can do with a player, right? And you already talked about, you know, Daniel Moscos, and, and we talk about Hadevi and the pitching infrastructure all the time. This is also one of the great strengths of Carter Hawkins uh, coming into this organization. Carter has a really great track record of working 
previously in organizations that are really good at developing pitching talent. And that's what you're doing. You just drafted two pitchers, and now it's about getting them into your system, creating that plan and that path for them to become successful. So I think that's something that, you know, you really have to remember. Like the Cubs saw all of those bats. They saw all of that, and they liked this guy better. They liked this plan better. It doesn't mean that it's going to work out, but I think, you know, when these guys, you know, Carter Hawkins just came over here. Jed Hoyer has been in charge of this regime for for not very long. Um, They have to get this stuff right. You know, this is their careers on the line too. It doesn't mean it's going to work out, but I at least trust that they really believe in this and they're okay taking the risk. When you read some of the profiles about Kate Horton and Ferris, like a lot of people are very high on what the potential is. And there is yep. risk there. The floor may be low. Um, but you look at some of the, um, I, I want to read a couple of, you know, from people who do this for a living. Um, Joe Doyle uh, is on Twitter at Joe Doyle, M-I-L-B. He is uh, the director for the MLB draft at Prospects Live, which is a very uh, good uh, site to get you know, information on this side of the game. He said, wow, Kate Horton goes number seven to the Cubs. He's worth every penny. Showed who he really was in his last five starts. Up to 98 miles per hour with high spin. Power breaking ball that projects plus two dynamic breakers already over the Tommy John. He could be a frontline guy. Those are rare in this class. And then looking at Jim Callis from MOB.com, his thoughts. There was a lot of late buzz that Horton might sneak into the top 10 picks after his stellar postseason run, and the Cubs made the move here at 7. While he missed all of the 2021 season after Tommy John surgery and didn't really catch fire until his final five starts, he showed enough that in my mind he was the best college pitcher available. He's a quality athlete with a fastball that reaches 98 miles an hour and a wipeout slider that touches 90 a two-way player at Oklahoma. He could really take off now that he's healthy and will focus only on pitching. So again, you don't have to trust these guys, but these are the experts. This is what they do for a living. They watch all of this. They get ready for the MLB draft. It's their Christmas, right? And they're big fans (laughs) of this pick. So I look, think whatever you want. I'm not telling you, I, I already admit it. Like I'm not an expert on this, but I think when you have a guy, and you, going back to Joe Doyle from Prospects Live, after the Ferris pick, he said the Cubs are crushing this draft, getting Jackson go. Ferris and Cade Horton. Come on. Ferris right. is a long, lanky lefty up to 97 with big ride and a huge breaking ball. So they like it. And again, now it's on the Cubs to develop this. But I don't have a problem with this, Brendan. The Cubs have had a dearth of pitching in their minor league system, especially guys with high velocity. Bring them in and try to develop them. We've Let's seen other happens. teams do this. This is a lot of what the Dodgers do, right? Exactly. They, they draft as many of these high velo arms as they possibly can, and you get to where this is where you put your development system to the task, right? That's right. what it is. And I feel as if compared to hitting in the, in the current moment, the confidence in the pitching data available is clearly way higher than that what you've seen from the hitting side and over the next few years the hitting side may catch up but when we talk about confident projections 
I understand there's a lot of fans who want those bats that were there. I get it. The Cubs had great success for so many years that led to a World Series championship taking on that that strategy, going, you know, heavy offense, heavy offense in the first uh, round. I, I understand it, but there's also right now in this new environment, there is a greater sense of confidence in projecting pitchers. And you have Kantrovitz, you have Moscow's and Hadevi. And to your point with Carter Hawkins, with a history of developing pitchers. So you combine those mindsets with the data available now. Yes, there might be a risk taking those pitchers, but compared to five years ago, is that risk the same? I imagine not, yeah. Corey. I imagine the risk in taking those guys versus a hitter is really not that drastic as it may have perceived, have been perceived five, six years ago. So that's what gives me a little bit of you know, confidence um, and understanding with this pick. But I, I do understand it. I, look, listen, everyone wants to cash in on these draft picks, yes. especially with the first round being so high. But on the reverse side, if they're using that draft pick, on Horton with that stuff that Doyle is pointing out, as you said, with some of the metrics we do have, to me, that gives me more confidence. That actually makes me quite intrigued and quite excited to follow these guys. Yeah, a lot of this is, again, like what you think you can do. You, you brought in Daniel Moscos, who's in charge of pitch design. We've talked about him before and, you know, designing a slider for Keegan Thompson, things like that. Um, and, you know, just the shape of those pitches, like a lot of now that you're in this era, right, we're in a different era than so, so long ago, you know, you're going to look at this information, you're going to look at this stat cast information, you're going to look at the spin rate data and all of this other stuff. And you're, you're not, that's kind of why I started by saying, like, if you're following people that are tweeting out his college ERA, like, I'm not going to tell you to unfollow those people, but you should rethink what you're listening to because (laughs) it doesn't matter right? Like what matters is Hadavi, Breslow, Moscos, Kantrovitz, they're sitting there going, okay, look at this spin rate. Look at the way this moves. Look at his arm slot. Here's what we're going to do with exactly. that. And we see that he gets this spin when he throws from this release point with this angle. We're going to develop this pitch with him because we see this. This is how we're going to do this. It's how they develop. It's just a, pitching is a, is a different era. There's inherent risk. Absolutely. Right. But there's inherent risk with all of these guys. Every player in these drafts is a project and none of them are sure things. So I, it, this was a, you know, a team like the Cubs, even though they're operating in a manner we all don't really agree with picking this high should be rare for them, right? So I get it. There was a lot of of scrutiny on this. Everybody wanted to get it right, really capitalize on this. And with the way that the draft played out early, I think there was some surprising folks still left at seven. Uh, And it didn't, they they opted to go a different direction. So time will tell. That that's that's my position on this, Brendan. Like it is on the Cubs. They made this choice. I don't have a strong reaction to the choice. The going even a little under slot in the first round so that you can go higher in the second to get Ferris coming out of uh, the IMG Academy, that makes sense to me. That process makes sense to me. It's two picks in tandem. But I don't have a strong opinion on picks when they're made. What I do have a strong opinion on is that you have made the decision as an organization to say, we trust our pitching infrastructure and our development pipeline, and we are putting a lot of eggs in that basket. Now, 
It is on their development system, their coaches, their, you know, infrastructure and, you know, data scientists, things like that to earn their keep and successfully develop these guys. So time will tell as to whether they have made uh, a good and wise decision tonight. Right. And you already see, before I go into the ad break here, I just want to bring it up. You already see that infrastructure molding Jordan Wicks, which we'll, we'll perhaps talk about here. With Wicks, he was throwing a lot of change-ups, but early on, they were messing with his breaking pitches. And now, Brian Smith, as he pointed out in his last few starts, Wicks has been throwing a slider or a curveball once every four pitches. And the change-up is absurd that, that Wicks has. So the Cubs infrastructure and the scouting system, they identify how to bring out the most of these guys. And when they had drafted Wicks in the first round last season, those pitches weren't there. They developed those pitches, as has been the case for so many of the current guys we're seeing at the big league level. You think of like being a completely different pitcher with that two-seam slider mix. You think of Keegan Thompson now, who's been throwing a slider almost 10% of the time and really maximizing that curveball use. You see Justin Steele working with that fastball command, picking up perhaps a uh, changeup with more comfort, hopefully as the season goes along. So they they have their method. And if anything, that should inspire confidence because you're seeing it at the big league level. And now you're seeing it even at the lower levels with guys like DJ Harris and and Jordan Wicks. Okay. Quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit, and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game once the game starts. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Second sponsor from Owen. I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears starting quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Both Justin Fields and I are elite athletes, so I had to try this drink out. It tastes great, and I know I'm getting quality nutrition that I might otherwise be missing during my busy day. I pop some of these in the morning. They taste great. They get me going. 
Now, Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off, 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com when you use code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields to try out Owen only what you need. All right, so just finishing up uh, a little on the draft and Jackson Ferris. Uh, it was interesting, a good tweet from Tony Andraki uh, over at uh, Marquee. You know, he kind of alluded to, I think, this uh, earlier this week in the kind of pre-draft media scrum saying, quote, we have to try to figure out how we optimize our entire draft, and that plays into the calculus of each pick, who we're going to pick, and how much we're going to pay them. I think that just goes into, you know, kind of what we talked about with targeting Horton and then Ferris in that second round, knowing that you might be able to move the money around to make that, you know, that one-two punch work, right? It's not just one pick uh, absent of the context of the other. But, uh, you know, this one seems pretty simple, Brendan. Uh, Jackson Ferris was one of the highest rated high school arms in this draft. He was ranked 19th overall by MLB Pipeline and the fifth best pitcher in the entire draft, including any uh, college pitchers. Uh, A lefty, sits 95 96 he's 18 years old um you know some pretty devastating breaking stuff this one seems pretty simple it seems pretty simple too and it makes sense again not looking at each individual pick as its own but given the presumable underslot now you can pay more money as you were bringing up earlier Corey, to give ferris a pretty bulky offer that would set him up well to take it rather than going to college. That seems to be the idea. You look at him, you see change up, you see a breaking pitch curveball, you see a fastball, you see a release point that for, for me, I've only seen like a few videos of this, so uh, I don't have a good feel for it, but it does appear that he has kind of that uh, unorthodox delivery. It looks as if he falls towards the third base side as he let goes of pitches. I think that's kind of cool. There were some folks on the uh, MLB live feed suggesting that it's pretty complicated and perhaps that might need to be worked out. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I don't know if there's enough data today that suggests that type of delivery is ultimately bad if he can command those pitches and and still get the most out of them by doing that. If anything, that type of um, unorthodox delivery might enhance his pitches. So that will be interesting to follow once he gets in the system, once they go through like the negotiation process and gets to Arizona. Like that's going to be really cool to see if they automatically just let him keep doing his thing, or if they try to try to tweak some of those delivery options. For me, that's what I'll be looking at first. Yeah. So that is, uh, I think, the the story for us on the draft. The Cubs, you know, obviously with some of the trades that they've made primarily have targeted young position players. They have a lot of middle infield prospects. They have a lot of outfield prospects, Brendan, and they decided tonight to use their position to add some velocity and, and some uh, yeah. talented pitchers to the organization. Projects? Absolutely. A lot of risk, absolutely. Yeah, they all are. But 
they, you know, know their system. They clearly believe in their pitching infrastructure and their ability to develop pitchers at this point, and they are going to put that to the test. So uh, time will tell. Again, don't miss uh, Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation on with Cody, Luke, and Ryan. Uh, should be on the CHGO YouTube channel tomorrow and, of course, this podcast feed that you are hearing us on. So I uh, want to touch, too, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA. Uh, I really feel, honestly, at this point, weird even using his full name, Brendan. He's just PCA. Just, just, just PCA. Yeah, just PCA. Yeah. I've said okay, many PCA. times that they really need to get into a position where that's just what they put on the back of his jersey. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, kind of like the XFL where guys could like do whatever they want <laughs> on the back of their jersey. Like He just needs to be able to put PCA. Crow Armstrong is too long. They have to do you know, either two layers or that kind of horseshoe, which I don't like aesthetically. I kind of like it. It stands out. I don't know. It's weird. The PCA is better in like big That's giant true. letters. PCA. PCA. Uh, he, no arc, just PCA. Yes. He did play okay. in the Futures game uh, that was, of course, in Los Angeles, and he went one for two with a double. He also did a, you know, kind of one of those live mic sessions in the middle of the game, which we were just saying that, you know, we hope they don't they do not do with Wilson <laughs> Contreras. In this scenario, it was but cool. But for PCA, though. it's fine. Yes. In this scenario, it was cool, cool to see. He, he's, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know the guy, but he seems to have uh, a good personality, very excited you know just one of those guys who clearly loves the game of baseball was thrilled to be involved in an event like this uh and get this opportunity to play in los angeles um and it was just fun to watch and you know of course him hitting a double we've seen some cubs guys uh brendan davis of course is is the most you know readily that comes to mind you know put up big performances in this game. Uh, And the competition is about as stiff as it gets, Brendan. So it's always good when you are able to send someone to this game and have them get in there and perform. Yeah, and the double you hit, just a line drive down... The third base line, just easy swing. And his numbers this year as a 20-year-old at high A are really encouraging. He's batting 257 with four homers and 115 plate appearances. Uh, Before that, before his promotion, he had 183 plate appearances, and he wasn't striking out that much. He had a strikeout rate of 18%, a walk rate, really encouraging for a young, at the time, 19-year-old entering the season, at 12% walk rate, and batted 354, Corey, with seven bombs in that sample size. So this is someone who, in his early career, is showcasing gold glove defense like everyone talks about his best features currently that could translate instantly to a major league club is that defense and he's doing this while also showcasing power and some heavy contact and some plate discipline at a young age you know he just turned 23 months ago it's really encouraging to see and uh before the season started, Lance Brzdowski at, at Marquee was interviewing him and going through the process uh, for his defense and just listening to him. Again, at the time he was 19 years old, he he has that natural baseball instinct, right, that you always hear about. Just the way he talks about the game, you can tell by his body language and his enthusiasm, and that was on, on display when he was mic'd up. It's exciting. I think with Brennan's injury right now, we're kind of like trying to find that positional prospect to latch onto just for, you know, good feelings, and, and PCA is providing all, all the good feelings at this point. Yeah, absolutely. When he's so fast, dude, like when you watch him, 
that too get out of that the box I, it's like yeah I, I don't know I, I it's not that i didn't expect him to be fast i mean i i read that about him when he came over in the trade but like you watch him and the speed at which he gets out of the box is really something I, he's so fast the- there was one catch, I forgot when it was, I want to say three weeks ago. Uh, maybe you and I were talking about this, or maybe me and Greg Huss of Northside Baseball. But there was a, a play, uh, a fly ball, a deep fly ball over his right shoulder. He sprints back, got a great jump on it, dove like beyond Willie May style and made the catch. It was one of the best catches I've ever seen. It was like way better than, than that Jim Edmonds catch, you know, over his shoulder when he was with the Angels. That catch by PC put that one by Edmonds to shame so his defense the speed everything athleticism uh pretty absurd Corey yeah and and so I think you know uh it's a it's a good time to to touch on some of these other guys in the minor league system uh as we are at the the midway point and just kind of knowing that we're gonna see some of these guys I think pretty soon and and you know with whatever happens at the trade deadline how that fleshes out but you want to continue seeing these guys get more of an opportunity we saw Nelson Velasquez on Sunday show off his his arm to throw out a run at the plate in the major league game we've obviously seen Christopher Morell come up and show us a lot uh one name that I would suspect Brendan he's in double a but it feels like you might want to give him a shot uh is Ooh. Matt Mervis yes. uh who's 24 years old he plays first base uh for the Tennessee Smokies so far in 2022, 317 with a 376 on base and a 990 OPS. He's got 21 home runs in the 2022 minor league season. He's been and not striking out, 20% strikeout rate doing that. Yeah, and so he was also at South Bend for part of this season, but moved up to uh, Tennessee. And 14 of those homers have come at Tennessee. He's now got a 103 more at bats uh, at Tennessee than at South Bend. So, you know, what their plan is there, you know, who knows. Um, but I do think, you know, we kind of saw it this weekend kind of merging into major league talk as well. Like, I have, you know, quite enjoyed, given the the context, right, uh, what Frank Schwindel has you know, done for the Cubs for the last year plus, right? Last year, he was basically the only thing worth watching after the trade deadline. Uh, But, and I think we talked about this earlier in the year, and I think it was something that uh, Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation had either tweeted out or, or written about. You know, in a year like this, right, guys can only get so much runway for an opportunity. And I think it's time to see some other stuff at first base, my opinion, when we get into this second half and especially post-trade deadline. um, Frank, Alfonso Rivas to a lesser degree, uh, they've gotten a little bit of a shot. Is it a, Frank has gotten a fair shot. Alfonso Rivas, you know, is it enough to like be sure of his career? I don't think so. And he's on the younger side. So he's a guy you're going to want to keep in this system for sure. But as far as giving them innings and an opportunity at first base at the major league level, I think we're getting to that point where it's like, look, we don't have an infinite amount of time to do this. We're hoping not to be bad forever, right? maybe time to try someone else and give them an opportunity to kind of do what Christopher Morell did to a degree and kind of plant that flag and say, hey, I got this opportunity and I'm taking it. It's mine now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this reminds me of the discussion we had about Ian Happ last year where Ian was struggling so much and 
I said he's going to have to have an extreme, extreme end to the season to change the confidence going into 2022. And to his credit, he ended up doing that. He had an extreme latter half of August and September and carried that on and ultimately kind of carried that over to 2022 in, in the current start to this season. Uh, those are rare. With Frank, you know, Rivas, Rivas, of course, is younger, maybe has a longer runway here. But you need to have any type of confidence that they will be significant contributors, they need an extreme second half. And Frank has done it, yeah. But now you're looking at, okay, well, is it worth that risk because he is older and because he's going through a really bad stretch here that might be a result of the league adjusting to him? Does it make sense to try to capitalize on that extreme? Or to your point, give someone like Mervis a shot? who is by all means crushing it right now in Tennessee and doing so while also simultaneously improving that contact rate, does it make sense to try to use him as a potential piece for 2023? Well, the only way to find that out is to expose him to major league pitching. And yeah, the consequence or the the sacrifice is reducing Frank's playing time and more than likely not making him a confident part of the 2023 season. But for me, that's the risk I'm willing to accept just because you have, you know, 250, almost 250 plate appearance sample with Frank struggling. And with Rivas, he's never had the power. Um, he is struggling. All the last, was it 30 plate appearances are a little bit better, but he hasn't taken a chance at his opportunities. Frank was demoted for like, I know one day, um, but it's that type of opportunity Frank or rather, uh, Alfonso was not able to pick up on. And he has some defensive versatility, but he's been outpaced by other guys on this team, including Christopher Morell. So he hasn't taken advantage of those opportunities. Um, I think it's time, Corey, that we start looking at other options. And it's, you know, again, this is going back to the point that, you know, Brett had made about this. It's, It's just one of those things where, it's it's a short stint and in a, in a vacuum to really know about a guy at the major league level you'd like it to be longer but you just don't have that much time you're working with a limited yeah. amount of time to see as much as you can you got about two more months yeah it's like ideally as many guys as you can until certain guys are making it so that you can't remove them from the position so you you have to sort of make those decisions one thing that we do see uh is I feel like I'm going to butcher his last name, Brendan, but it wouldn't be you and I doing a Cubs podcast if we didn't questionably pronounce somebody's last name. Uh, The Cubs bringing up uh, the Iowa Cubs, I believe it was their closer, Eric Yeoman, U-E-L-M-E-N. I'm going with Yeoman. Yeoman? It sounds good to me. It sounds good. I'm sure Brian will be on tomorrow and be like, boy, those idiots don't know how to say this guy's name. Well, it's happened before, so. Yeah, Uh, but Yeoman is 26. He was the Cubs' fourth-round selection in 2017. This year at Iowa, he had a 2.79 ERA with a 29.1% K rate, a 12.8% walk rate, and a 55.3% ground ball rate. He was definitely one of those guys who was on everybody's radar to be brought up and get an opportunity. Obviously, with you know, when you bring some of these guys up, sometimes they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. But I, I expect that yeah. he will get a look uh, and 
potentially a rather close one. Uh, has a fastball that can you know sit in the mid-ish uh, 90s, 95, 96. Uh, so really interesting. And we've seen the Cubs bring up a lot of very interesting guys in this bullpen that I think you can envision in roles as we go forward here. Yeoman comes up as Daniel Norris is DFA'd. So that is one new name that hopefully we continue to get a look at. And, you know, maybe he ends, gets himself in that fold with Scott Efros and Brandon Hughes. And we start to go, okay, this future bullpen is shaping up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Scott Efros has been exceptional, probably the best Cubs reliever from a pure stuff perspective, as well as the actual output and success that he's had with run production. But I'm looking forward to that. You give guys in Iowa more of a shot. They gave Norris a fair shot there. I was getting destroyed by you guys about Daniel Norris, Corey. Um, Justifiably so, I guess. But hey, they gave him a shot with Norris. He was someone who had uh, one of the most intriguing change-ups from a stack-ass perspective. They tried to get that curveball or that slider going with Norris and uh, didn't work out. It happens. It's had command issues. It's unfortunate it didn't happen. And it's just a reminder that, you know, some guys can have the best stuff in the game, but you do need that command. And sometimes it's hard to to merge everything together, which also shows just how impressive Keegan Thompson's start to the year and Justice Steele's start to the year is because they've been able to do what Norris didn't do. And that's keep command while also implementing new pitches and having immediate success. So it goes to to point out just how impressive like Thompson and Steele and Efros and, and, and all these guys have been who have been given shots. But the second half should be absolutely about getting the largest sample possible. That way you can go into the offseason before 2023 and have an idea of what moves you need to make. Okay. Uh, second break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app right now and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allCHGO.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you did miss it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so Brendan, as we hit the halfway point of of the MLB season, uh, anybody else that you know is is uh, maybe not on your radar is is a, a bad word for it, but just uh, any guys in the system that you really feel like highlighting it at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, DJ Hurts, he, the fact that he is in Double A now in in Tennessee, and Jordan Wicks, it, yeah, yeah, I mean Jordan Wicks, both those guys like that should inspire confidence. Um, once you get to Double A, you're knocking on the door, like you are very very close to making your debut. Some guys just skip AAA. Nico skipped AAA. Uh, former top prospects in the past have skipped AAA, and they, they, they just go right up. So if they have success in August here and um, continue to, to improve on what they've been working on, I, I, I think in an ideal world, without anything going wrong, they'll be in the discussion of getting innings for the 2023 team, which is incredible 
incredible to even say at, at this point with DJ Harris only being 21 years old. So his numbers this year, Corey, I just want to read this off. Uh, he started 17 games, 64 innings. So they haven't let him go a little bit deeper, but in that 17-start sample, his K per nine is 14 batters, Corey, 14. That's like reliever numbers. That's like closer numbers, and he's been a starter. And now his walk rate is a little bit over five batters per nine innings, so that will have to, of course, come down. But when you're striking out that many batters, uh, absurd. And he's not giving up any home runs. His home run per nine rate is 0.4, so not giving up that much hard contact. And his ERA is 2.26, so everything is following suit with him being a guy who gets a lot of whiffs. He was working on a few pitch types. He has a really like wipeout slider looking pitch and he has uh, a delivery that we've had Greg Haas on this podcast uh, before. He compared him to Dontrell Willis in that both have that like kind of high leg hip movement falls off towards the uh, third base side a little bit. And he developed what was described as a Vulcan changeup with that grip. I'm not sure if he's still using that grip, but there were a few videos from his recent start in late June where he struck out double-digit guys, and he, I believe he struck out like five batters with that changeup. So this is someone who has a hard breaking pitch that goes inside to righties. He has a four-seam fastball in the mid-90s, and now he's been showcasing another off-speed pitch that goes the opposite direction to righties. We've talked about changeup with Justin Steele, the changeup with Keegan Thompson. Uh, Hers already has these pitches, and I like, for, for me, I've never been so excited about just a pure stuff guy in this Cubs system as DJ Harris. Braylon Marquez comes a close second because he was throwing over 100, big, tall lefty, but Braylon never had the diverse repertoire that DJ Harris is showing right now. Again, if he can go through August, get maybe at this point, perhaps like five to six more starts, we'll see what they end up having him do. But if that's the case and he's having success, again, get him in spring training, start the year off next year in AAA, continue to mow down batteries, maybe own in as some of that command, get those walks down. And perhaps in a perfect world by May, we're seeing DJ Hurst making his debut. Yeah, so uh, on that exciting note, we can talk about the Cubs major league yes. team. The thirty, what are they now, Brendan? Thirty-five and fifty-seven as they hit know. the All Star break. Um, yeah, this was uh, an all over the place series. On Thursday, the Cubs lost eight to nothing. Uh, that was not one of Keegan Thompson's better outings. Um, just didn't have the command. Seemed like the Mets were just really on him. We talked about it in, in the postgame show uh, with Cody and Kevin Wells when I was in studio that, you know, really just kind of an just an off night for Keegan. The Mets, so many balls, 100 miles an hour off the bat or more. Um, you know, still a phenomenal first half for Keegan. He finishes with a 3.43 ERA, a 7-4 and record, if that's your jam. Uh, really great stuff. He continues to be one of the best things that we've seen in the first half from this team. And then uh, after a rainout on Friday, the Cubs and Mets play three straight one-run games. On Saturday, it is a split double header where the Mets win two games in extra innings by bringing home the Manfred uh, clown runner uh, once. <laughs> is that what you know, I don't now? like that rule, but, uh, you know, up to okay. you. Um 
they bring in one in the game in the first game and then they brought in two in the 10th in the second game the Cubs only brought in one so of course that math shakes out uh, with a 4-3 loss for the Cubs in the second game it was two to one in the first game and then on Sunday, the Cubs picking up the W with a two-run eighth. They trailed 2-1 to one going into the bottom of the eighth inning, staring a 10-game losing streak in the face, which we all would have had to just deal with uh, at, You know, once the All-Star break started. We were just sitting there with a, a 10-game losing streak, but they did lock down a win, Brendan, and of course, the game-winning RBI off of the bat, none other than Nico Horner, your shortstop Nico. for the Chicago Horner. Cubs. Yes. Nico Horner finishes the mm-hmm. first half mm-hmm. of this season with a 307 batting there average, a 767 OPS. He is oh, yeah. a, a pretty well above league average hitter and one of the best yes. defensive players in the game at the moment. So he has been quite valuable. And you know, just looking at, uh, you know, an OPS perspective, Brendan, it's 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 a quick way to just look at this, right? Uh, and and kind of track where some of these guys are. So Christopher Morell, uh, remember a 23-year-old rookie, finishes his first half, 266 average, 815 OPS. He made a great play in center field today. The numbers don't like him too much there, Brendan, but he's got so much speed and athleticism that he gets to some of those balls in the alley that you don't really expect a lot of guys to get to. Um, another thing to point out as we hit the first half here, Seiya Suzuki has had a really nice month of July. He's cut that K rate down a lot since he came back from the injured list. That was obviously the concern when he hit the injured list that that K rate had kind of skyrocketed, uh, had you know a very rocky month of May, but a really nice July uh, so far. And he finishes his first half in Major League Baseball, 272 average and 806 OPS. So overall, those numbers look pretty good for him. And he hasn't really hit it for as much power as I think we expect him to at some point. So I think especially given the injury and the adjustments that he's had to make, I think the way he's came back from that is really, really positive stuff, Brendan. Yeah, if you were to tell me that going into the All-Star break that that Seiya would have a 350 Woba, a 124 WRC plus, and over 200 plate appearances, and going through some adjustment phases, a little bit of a not severe, just a minor injury, I would have been pretty ecstatic, honestly. You know, it's banging 272. This seems to be kind of what you hoped would happen. And as he comes out of this break here, I kept saying this before the break, but I'm going to keep saying it. He needs to play and play and play, get more exposure. That K rate should go down. He has a strike rate of 27%. When you make as much contact as he does, he makes almost, Corey, 80% contact. That is well above the average right now. His strikeout rate should not be well below the average. Once that normalizes, more base hits could follow. That's what you expect. And then the walk rate being in double digits, that should remain given some of the play discipline we've seen. Obviously, visually, he's seeing pitches well. 
It's a matter of over and over and over again getting that repetition, which he should get. I think his first half has been really encouraging, and and I, I mean for me, it's 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 optimistic. This is a guy who the Cubs have been sorely trying to get a very patient guy who makes contact, who hits for power, and plays good defense. This is who Seiya Suzuki is. Yeah, I mean, I think all things considered, I I, I think this is has gone pretty great um, for Suzuki. You know, again, you have to remember like he's. He's a rookie in the sense of coming to Major League Baseball. He's obviously had a lot of experience playing over in Japan, but there there's an adjustment period, and we saw that in in the month For of sure. May that you know pitchers tried to pitch him differently. The strikeout rate raised a bunch, and he's really bounced back uh, in July and and since coming off the injured list. And that's what you want to see. That's the mark of a professional hitter and someone who didn't let uh, all of that you know kind of bog him down. He he's stayed within himself, and you know look like the Cubs have. Have uh, a you know he's 27 years old. He'll be 28, I think, in August. Um, but you know those are he's got some for sure prime years left. And I, like as a rookie coming over, you know, moving to America, um, moving you know his his family or having family still in Japan, like just dealing with all of those struggles, right? The language barrier and and having to adjust to a new life and a new city, a new culture all of that on top of what he has to do to be successful as a baseball player. And the Cubs have an outfielder who's hitting 272 with a 124 WRC plus, Brendan. Like, that's fantastic. And he's only got six home runs so far. We know there's more power in there, right? It's, it'll come out eventually, right? So I think you're only going to see him get better. He's been, uh, I, I think that's been really successful. Um, and you just, I think, have to be patient as we go forward here. But, you know, those are the things that really stood out to me from this first half. There's obviously, you know, Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ are your all-stars. Um, Wilson has has been in a bit of a slump. Uh, he got a base hit in the game on Sunday uh, that I think snapped a, a pretty long skid for him. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was, you know, he... It's it's interesting. He's 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 been such a fascinating player to follow, um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how the Cubs decide to proceed with this. Um, we don't have too much time on that, uh, but that is the state of things. And I think his fluctuation at offense. I, I I would be surprised if a team that was interested in acquiring him would let a you know I think like up. Up until he got the hit on Sunday afternoon, I think he, uh, our guy Jared Willis, uh, had tweeted that he had a zero, a point zero seven five batting average in July, right? So it has been a struggle for these Boy. couple weeks in July. Does a team interested in acquiring him care about that? Probably not. Um, but we, you and I spent a lot of time talking about how him DHing a lot had kept him fresh and you know led him to these huge offensive numbers. There's just something, I don't know morbidly funny, I think is the right phrase, to like, as we're heading towards this, him just hitting this like massive slump. Um, but, you know, we'll... we'll morbidly yeah, we'll, funny. Yeah, right? Like, it's not funny, but in like a super dark way, it kind of is. Um, and then, yeah. you know, you look at Ian Happ, he's, he's got a 125 WRC plus, 274 average, 364 on base, 443 slug, nine home runs, another wildly fascinating case of what the Cubs do 
uh, and how they they view all of this and and what they've done heading into this All Star break and. We'll see what they they ultimately decide, Brendan. But some big decisions on the table for now, though, as we head into this week. I, I do hope that, and it's 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 got to be hard for them, Brendan, to enjoy their time at the All Star Game. Um, just given this context, it's hard for the fans to enjoy these moments. Um, and I I hope desperately that Ian can enjoy his first All Star Game appearance. He's earned it. And I hope he can enjoy it. And I hope that Wilson can enjoy starting again and being able to be in the same starting lineup with his brother, as we noted, you know, in the past episode. It's just an absurd accomplishment, um, something that most of us cannot even dream about. Most of us will never experience playing professional sports or being named an all-star, let alone doing it with your brother, right? It's absurd. It's an absurd absurd. situation, and I hope that he can enjoy every moment of it, and it's not ruined by whatever this organization is doing. I I hope that the national broadcast team, they recognize that it's more likely to draw a better reaction from viewers if they talk about Wilson and his brother rather than Wilson and, you know, the Cubs trade talk. I hope that's what happens. My confidence in that. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing from this uh, Mets series, uh, you know, again, like the the Cubs, some close games, uh, except for that first one with Keegan, you know, the three one-run games. It's nice to see them stick with a competitive team, but at this point, like I think us as fans, I'm not sure how interested we are in uh, those kind of like moral victories, right? I do want to give a a, a hat tip to um, Adrian Sampson. Again, five and a third, six hits, two runs, three walks, and just a strikeout. But, you know, again, he he has been in a, a really difficult spot this season, right? Coming up, going down, relieving, starting, long relief, etc., and somebody's got to pitch these innings for this team, right? Because if you have so many one-inning, two-inning, three-inning starts that get blown up, kills your bullpen, makes development so much harder yeah. for a lot of these guys, right? Well, that's yeah. key right and there. And Samson yeah. has done a really, really nice job of accepting whatever role the Cubs have given him. He's got a 3.34 ERA so far uh, across you know all his innings at the major league level. And he's he's done a nice job in a difficult spot. You know, he's on the older side, Absolutely. you know, what you're, what you're projecting him for going forward here, who knows? But these innings are important, even if the games are not. And it's important that somebody's pitching them and he's done so really nicely and kept the team in games and given them an opportunity to win, uh, which they did on Sunday. Um, And David Robertson also picked up his 13th save, 1.93 ERA as we hit the all-star break. So please, I'm telling you, like Jed, Let's get this. <laughs> I it, the, the closers make me so nervous, Brendan. Like I've right. loved David Robertson. I I I you know wish he were on this team in a, a a better circumstance. But like he's got 13 saves. He looked great on Sunday. He's 37. One nine yeah. ERA. Like pick up the phone, Jed, and let's like let's not let's have go. him take the mound as a Cub again. It's it's just so risky. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Let's not have David Robertson take it's them terrible. out against the Cubs. It's just, we, you know, it's uh, terrible. We, Hopefully, yeah, this is the last it, time. We didn't go too, you know, too much on this Mets series and too much like on the angst side 
because they did win on Sunday, and it just seems more interesting to talk about the draft and some of the prospect guys were interested in hearing about and to sort of like set up the conversation with Brian tomorrow because I think it's just more fun than talking about uh, this, you know, Cubs team losing three or four to the Mets. But I was prepared, Brendan, had they lost 10 straight games, the start of this podcast would have had a very different tone. What's the difference when they lose nine in a row instead of 10? Probably nothing, <laughs> right? Ask that, but yeah. it, it, you know, again, I, I brought that up because you said, isn't it sad that that's how we view, you know, watching David Robertson pitch is, you know, get rid of him quickly, right? Like I know. this, the, the organization the front office, the ownership, I don't know what they feel about anything, right? And you could argue there's no difference between losing 100 games and losing 90 games and losing 110 games. If you're just going to be losing, what difference does it make what the actual numbers are? But this stretch, we were almost, Brendan, on here talking about like the fourth double-digit losing streak in basically a calendar year. The organization needs to be embarrassed by the state of this Major League Baseball team and do what you got to do at the trade deadline, make those decisions, but the plan had better be that this, whatever we're looking at, right, is not happening anymore. I think a lot of this fan base will give them this year, and they're not really even giving them that because they were kind of misled by them coming into this season, right? This team isn't competitive. They did not use all of the resources that they had to be competitive like the owner said they would. But this year's already halfway done. They'll give it to you. They're not going to put up with it again. This has got to be it. This is the, this is a lot. This this has got to be it. And I'm sure some listeners are hearing this. They're like, oh, I wish wait till next year. And that's very possible. But hey, this that, that can't happen to be it. You just can't. can't you cannot be this market and ta- almost talking about your fourth 10-game losing streak. Well, they have the talent too, right? It's like it's 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 clearly, you know, we're at the end of this podcast here, but it is clearly trending. I thought we were doing a two-hour edition today. <laughs> is that what you want to do? Actually, I thought we were, we were going to do three hours, which we could probably yeah. do, honestly. We're going um, we're gonna to keep, we are. We, you know, we started this after the Cubs uh, selected Ferris in that second round. We're just going to keep yeah. going until Brian and Cody, Luke and Ryan, Get on That's the it. air. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. We're going to do this for yeah. 12 more hours. Uh, you you don't think you and I could? On this, on this podcast. Oh, we, I know we, we yeah. for sure could. That's the sad part about this. What does that say about us? Nothing though? good. It's just like yeah, sick. Nothing good. All right, wrap this up before like I start losing my mind over here. Yeah, so that's what we have for you tonight. Um you know, over the the course of this week, obviously, you know, tomorrow I think will be very draft heavy uh, with those guys, and then uh, CHGO I think across with the Cubs team and the White Sox team are going to have some All Star game coverage for you on Tuesday. Obviously, both teams having players in those games, and you know, just general coverage for the All Star game. Um, but like I said, you know, try to enjoy this time off. Enjoy watching Wilson and his brother William play in the All-Star game together. Enjoy Ian Happ making his first appearance. Um, I don't know what these next few weeks hold. I have a guess, Brendan, as to what they're going to hold. Uh, and if myself and basically everybody else are correct, it's going to suck 
you guys. You know what I mean? Like, that's just where we are. It's just where we are with the organization that we have uh, all, you know, for many different reasons been uh, ill-fated to root for, right? Now, not always, but um, it's probably going to suck. It's going to be hard, and we've done this before, and I think we're going to have to do it again. So you've got some few days off. You don't have to watch the Cubs over the next few days try to score a runner from second base with no outs that they are apparently just horrified at the idea of doing as an offense. Um, But, you know, change is a coming, I think. So prepare yourself for that because if last year was any indication, we, you know, we can kind of assume how this is going to go. So um, that's where we are. We will get through this together. Um, and that's all that we can do. So how many times have you said that line that we will get through this together? And this is like, what, the seventh time? Probably for various reasons, though. I don't think it was always trading players. Probably some of those more difficult playoff series as well. It was like the, uh, the Rockies game was a 2018, 2019. Yeah. I'm still not over that. So I don't know if we did get through that together. Um, yeah, that That's offense true. still keeps me up at night. But Oof. like, I, it it is true, and I think it you know it was true when you and I were doing this on our own, and I think it's even more true now with Luke and Cody and Ryan and Jared and everybody at CHGO because you know that's that's a large part of what CHGO set out to do. Um, and what we're setting out to do with you and I doing these episodes and us appearing with, with those guys and, and, you know, them, of course, hosting every day uh, live on YouTube. Like, the idea was we're all fans of this team. Um, you know, Ryan and Jared have to be objective. They're covering the team. But the rest of us are fans of this team, and we love this team. And we've all expressed our— sometimes. Yeah, right, sometimes— We've all expressed our opinions about what the Cubs are doing and how we got here, but ultimately the 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 long and short of it is that we are all in this together. We're a community that we're trying to build and we're fortunate to have you all listening to us. And I, you know, wish we had more interesting games to cover uh, a winning team to cover and you know we were getting ready for a trade deadline where we were hopefully going to be excited by who the Cubs were bringing in to help them try to win the division uh, and succeed in October and all of that it's not where we are so that's where the organization is right now and we're going to get through it together and as we all say hopefully it it does not go on much longer and you know I'm of the belief that it had better not go on much longer, which I think is uh, shared by most. So we will get through it together. Um, If last year is any indication, Brendan, there might be some tears along the way. Nothing we can do about that. You're just going to have to, you know, be an adult and, (laughs) you know, everybody, yeah, everybody needs a good cry every now and again. Sometimes it's uh, your favorite baseball team forcing you to do it, which is great. That's why we all watch baseball, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I I think that's what we have for you tonight. Uh, plenty to talk about in these, you know, final weeks before the trade deadline. And then as we've tried to, I think, hone in on over, uh, you know, the last couple months, especially, you're going to see a lot of important stuff, hopefully in the second half for this team. Um, new guys coming up, the continued development and playing time of a lot of the guys that we have 
highlighted relentlessly and, you know, them kind of trying to put that exclamation point on what has been a, a really good first half and, and development period. You know, uh, I think Christopher Morell, Seiya Suzuki, Nika Horner, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, those are uh, probably like my big five, right, of in that second half, they're looking to put that stamp, an exclamation point on what has been a really, really successful year in terms of their development and how they'll fit into the fold of the next great Cubs team. But uh, for now, again, on Monday, don't miss uh, in the afternoon. Brian Smith with Cody, Luke, and Ryan breaking down all things from the MLB draft. That, of course, continues, so I think we'll have some more picks uh, to talk about in the coming days, in the later rounds, and all-star game coverage on Tuesday. And then uh, I'm sure you guys will all be missing it, but come next weekend, the, the MLB Cubs will be back. So you don't have to be without them for long. So we thank you for your support of CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.